for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. State versus the U week. Here we are, Gateway Lounge, another Wednesday, another lunch with Matt Zimmer. Is it, what, is it Tuesday? Yes. We've been used to it on Wednesday. Okay, fine. It's, they all blur together. The game well, can't come see, soon enough. USD, SDSU, high school football playoffs, college basketball opening tonight. I'm a little busy this week, John. <laughs> yes, you are. And so this is the day you could do it. And I said, fine. Uh, we'll do it. I'm not as busy as you. I'm busier than you think, but I'm not as busy as you. By the way, you know, it's... This is fun. I like doing this. Um, you're not getting lunch today because you're what? You're in a big hurry, or I ate already. Oh, you ate already. Yeah. Okay. Uh, is this something you would do? Would you? Would you have? Would you want to hang out and talk football or, or or BS about life as we do before the mics roll? If we weren't doing this podcast, you know, just a weekly lunch, weekly beer. Is this something you'd do anyway? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Like yes, but also like I have to make time for this because. Like I said, this time of year, I'm very, very busy. I get the sense that you think I'm jerking you around. Where I'm like, well, I don't know if I like. I'm, I, no. I'm pretty busy. I'm not like, at yeah. all. I know. I, I see you pump out article mm-hmm. after article. I know it's a big week. By the way, well, is also, you, and actually, our, yeah. our deadline. You heard about that whole thing last week about the Argus shutting down its printing press. And yes, removing our operations. Our deadline is now 1:30 in the afternoon. Um, so that makes my mornings and afternoons uh, even tighter than they were before. So. Okay, fair enough. What are you working on? I got my story done already because it's one thirty right now. Um, I uh, I did a a story kind of trying to give people sort of a here's where USD and SDSU stand going into the game, kind of looking at their seasons thus far, the similarities, the differences. That story has been handed in, and now I'm heading straight from here to Brookings to uh, go to football practice, and then straight from football practice to the season opening basketball doubleheader. The women are playing. Shit, I don't even know who they're playing. And then the men, I think, are playing Bradley. Uh, non-conference, obviously, but it's the season opener for both. So wow. be a long night. I'll be in Brookings wow, till way midnight. Way to go, beat writer. Don't even know who the women are playing. Jeez. Yeah, I'm sure it's a pretty big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine. I tune you out all the time, too. Oh, yeah. oh do you? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, this makes for a when great When you start rambling on about how, let me compare what you just said about the Jacks to the 1989 Huskers. <laughs> That's when I just kind of start staring off into space. Oh, there's a replay of the Warriors and <laughs> Hornets. Let me watch that for the next 30 seconds while you talk. <laughs> well, I, I'm glad to know that after all this time, uh, that this wildly successful, consistently registering podcast is so genuinely a conversation amongst two human beings, <laughs> the way it was intended to be, sitting uh-huh. here at the Gateway Lounge, which, by the way, is going to be an awesome place to go for the Jacks and the Yotes on Saturday, State versus the U. Of course, they're going to have this game. They always find a way to have any game of USD or SDSU that is televised here. And I'm going to guess this is going to be a sold-out game. It's going to be a I tough ticket. I hear it's ticket. close already. It's got to be. That place only seats 11,000. Yeah. And uh, it's only the second time these two teams have been ranked, I'm guessing, uh, at least in the top 20 at the same time. So if you can't go to the Dome, at least uh, at least come here to the Gateway Lounge because they are. you know they're going to have 
Incredible service. Really nice people. They're going to have the game on ample TVs. And you're going to get to see, because there's so many TVs in here, all the other great college football games that will be going on. So you won't be missing them either while you're watching State versus the U. There are bars in this town who claim to be Jackrabbit bars, and they are. There are bars in this town who claim to be coyote hangouts, I think, and they probably are. Uh, the Gateway Lounge is just great for all of them, and uh, it will it will be your place to go if you're in Sioux Falls. You want a little something more than just watching this game at home on Saturday. So uh, let's let's go back to the win over North Dakota State because that was, you know, those weren't small potatoes on Saturday. First of all, a 30,000-foot view of, of the day. I mean, we, we weren't sure how many people were going to go to this game. It was almost what they got when college game day went there two years ago. Almost a sellout, third biggest crowd. Yeah, and uh, just paint the picture of the day. And, and it's just well, one of those I days mean, you love your job, right? The, the weather is as good as you could ask for in November. I mean, it was you know 65 degrees and sunny, and yeah, there was a great crowd. There were a lot of Bison fans there, but it wasn't like it was anywhere close to 50-50 or even 60-40 or 70-30. I mean, there was a good contingent of Bison fans on the, on the side, but it was a Jacks crowd, um, and it was a great football game. Jacks scored a 75-yard touchdown run on the second play of the game. They were off and running, and, uh, you know, they, they let things get interesting. They let a 20-point lead turn into a, a one-score lead at the end. But, uh, you know, Bison are a good team. You know, I think it even when they were up by 20, it was like – unlikely that they were just going to run away with them and that the Bison were going to quit, and they didn't. Um, and a huge win for South Dakota State. I mean, we talked about this last week. As, as difficult as a situation as that is to have to beat the Bison, it was kind of close to a must win because if they lose, then you're looking at you have three losses. Just getting into the playoffs is not by any means guaranteed, and getting any sort of, you know, being in the conversation for a seed, home playoff game, would at minimum require you to sweep the last two. Um, which they still are obviously going to want to do and probably should be favored to do. Um, and now if they do that, they're right back in the in the mix for the conference title, for a, a playoff seed. So it was a huge, huge, huge win for them. Okay. Did it look as impressive as it seemed? I mean, did, did, did their quality of football increase dramatically over those losses to Southern Illinois? Yeah, I mean, they whatever, the, whatever their bugaboo was at home, they seemed to kick it. I mean, they – and again, I, you know, I – I might have said it on this podcast. I said it in another interview I did with someone up in Fargo that it was probably important for the Jacks to start fast because of how precarious their mental state has seemed to be at home. You know, yeah. it has really felt like one thing goes wrong and they go, oh, we suck. Here it goes again. You know, it reminds me of 1989 you know? when Nebraska played uh, <laughs> Oklahoma and was a big favorite. Sorry, go on. Um, Memorial but, but no, they was... get a, like I said, they get a 75 yard touchdown in the second play of the game. And uh, th 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 like I said, they were off and running. That was exactly what they needed. They were able to – the Bison came back and tied it right away at 7-7, but then the Jacks, you know, they got some trick plays in there I'm sure you saw and, you know, made some big plays on defense, uh, consistently prevented the big play from NDSU, uh, didn't dominate them physically to the extent they did in the spring, but they did win the line of scrimmage pretty convincingly on, on both sides. Uh, they just outplayed them the whole way, and I thought they really outcoached them. Um, I, I could not for the life of me understand why NDSU's offense continued to huddle with two minutes left late in the game, down two scores. I mean, hmm. it almost <laughs> it almost reminded me of, like, the Miracle on Ice game when Russia didn't pull the goalie. It's like, do you know you're losing right now? Yeah. You know, it's like, what are you doing? Um, so that was weird. It's almost, you know, I, I don't want to make too big a stink of it, but it just really looked like, you know, the Jacks were more prepared, wanted it more, had a greater sense of urgency. And to be fair, they, they had a lot more at stake. This was a game the Bison could afford to lose, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. They're still in first place. 
You know, right, the, you got a quality loss. Right. Uh, yeah, no, it doesn't kill them. Yeah, right. And whereas, like I said, if the Jacks had lost, it would have had a significant impact. And so now that makes this game this week uh, even better and even bigger because you made reference to the fact it's only the second time they've both been ranked. Um, but I'm not sure if if they've ever both still been alive for the conference title, which they both are. Um, both ranked in the top 20. Uh, USD is basically playing for their playoff lives because I don't think many of us like their chances of going to the Fargo Dome and winning next week. So if they want to get into the playoffs, they probably have to win this game. Okay. And, you know, the Jacks, like we said, you know, if they want to get a, a seed, be back in the mix for, you know, some home playoff games, yeah. they got to win these next two. So there's as much at stake in this rivalry game as there's ever been. Wait a second. So USD still has a chance to win the Valley? Yeah. Wow. They only have two losses in the okay. conference. But, yeah. So you're, but you have to hope that Southern Illinois loses another. Well, they one. lost. They did. They've lost two in a row. They lost two in a row. Yeah. Oh my God! Wow. Curtis was right. They they yeah. were a, a, and that just makes their loss, their win over SDSU. Like Jesus, Jacks. You know, you had a twenty nothing lead against these guys, and I, you know, but you know, crying over spilled milk. That's well, over. well, done, and but. again, leave it to me to be the Nebraska fan to say this when I've been, uh, you know, begging for Scott Frost to get fired because. I'm tired of close losses, but football's weird these days, and uh, you, you can't be too hard on yourselves if you're any football operation at any level anymore um, for losing to teams that eventually go on and lose to worse teams, et cetera, because it happens in the NFL. Uh, who thought the Jaguars would beat the Bills this weekend right. and that Purdue would be in first place in the Big Ten West and beat Michigan State? And uh, It's football. It's crazy. It happens, but, you know, but it, I, I'll go I'll, – hone back into the vacuum of this North Dakota State, South Dakota State thing, because I enjoy it, uh, with, well, this is like four wins over the Bison in the last seven or eight games. Four out of six. Four out of six. At least uh, in the Dakota marker. There might be a playoff loss thrown in there, but four of the last six regular season meetings. And I understand every time, I don't know if it's been three or four times, two in the last five years, when they play in the playoffs, it's in Fargo and North Dakota State wins, and those games are more meaningful. But now where does it – and I understand eight national titles in nine years and the Jacks still haven't won one. But what is it – when you're watching a football game between these two teams, especially at the line of scrimmage, which was always the big difference, which, which always did SDSU in even when they had their superstars in Christian Goddard and Wenicke, it really – what does it now look like as far as how close these programs are and if South Dakota State is wrestling some things away a little bit um, I when mean- you watch the football? You know, it's tempting to, to wonder if, you know, they go from Craig Bowl to Chris Kleiman, now to Matt Entz. Um, and I, I like Matt Entz. I think he's a good coach. I, you know, I don't want to, like, cast aspersions on him or throw blame on him. But it, I, I just think it only makes sense to say, okay, at what point, you know, does does it start to drop off a little yeah. bit? You know, when, when Kleiman left, a lot of people thought the Bison would look outside the program for the new coach. They promoted from within. He goes 16-0, and wins a national title in his first year, but not to take anything away from Matt Entz and his staff, they're still playing with Chris Kleiman's toys at that point, you know. Mm-hmm. And we're now the, now in the spring, they go 7-3. They're playing and three. Trey Lance, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah. And now in the spring, they went 7-3. and three. Now this year, they're 8-1. and one. I still think they're going to finish 10-1, and one, you mm-hmm. know, and be probably the two seed in the playoffs, and we'll see what happens in the playoffs. But you, I think it, it is only fair. Again, I'm not saying Matt Entz is, is dragging that program down and this is the beginning of the end, but it could be. I mean, at some point, everything has to drop off. You're not going to maintain that level of success forever. I guess if anywhere you can, you know? it's North Dakota State, because a guy I saw a stat not too long ago, they've won like 400 games in the last 40 years or something. Yeah, like I mean, it's, I mean, it's, 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 it's been going on for a long, long time. Amazing. But also, you know... 
it's it's sort of on, in some ways easier to chase than be the you know yeah and uh, SDSU has been coming hard for a long time you yeah. know and and I you know I tell people this what you've seen what we saw in the spring what we're seeing now what we saw in the Taryn Christian Dallas Goddard era didn't happen overnight it's been a long time coming yeah. when the Jacks realized okay we're in a league with the best team in one double A FCS football and we want to compete with them they definitely took you know, played the long game. Like, we're not going to catch them overnight. We have to overhaul everything from facilities to staffing to recruiting, and they've done that. You know, you've seen the additions they've made to their coaching staff. You've seen what they've done facilities-wise. Um, and now you see just, like you just said, and, and I've heard a bunch of NDSU fans saying it this week, or last week during the game, saying it in, in my Twitter mentions and stuff, like, the Jacks have become what we used to be. You had a lot of buys in saying that because, like you just alluded to, you know, a, a mobile, talented quarterback, a stable of running backs, a really good offensive line, a really good defensive line, and really the Jacks' defense as a whole. I mean, when I first started covering the Jacks, they were winning a lot of 38-31 games. Mm-hmm. And they still win those those kind of games on occasion, but their defense has come a long, long way in the last five well, years. Well, the O-line, the line of scrimmage. I mean, and, I'm talking and, about, and, yes, that, and, but and, also their whole defense. I mean, they are a deep defensive team. You know, they're giving up, for the last two, three years, they're giving up fewer than 20 points a game. Well, it starts up front. Curtis Riggs, who was the analyst on that broadcast uh, on the Move the Sticks podcast with Curtis Riggs, which you can hear on anchor.fm slash krigs or uh, go to metrosports.tv on demand. Uh, Move the Sticks with Curtis Riggs. He he mentioned that the South Dakota Jack, State Jackrabbits defensive line, uh, if not dominated, certainly controlled North Dakota State's offensive line. As, as, as recently as maybe even three years ago, you'd be going, I just don't ever see that happening. Right. I mean, that's a big reason why you have Lance and before him Carson Wentz and Easton Stick. They, they, everything looked so good because the Bison had I – mean, they were marvelous talents, but they had all the time in the world to do anything they wanted uh-huh. and, a, and a great running game. And now uh, the Jackrabbit defensive front is moving them around, and that's mm-hmm. two games in a row, and the proof is in the pudding right now. And that is excellent. Another thing that Curtis said is this guy that they had a quarterback for the Bison on Saturday, uh, yeah, he is not Trey Lance. He is not Carson Wentz. Probably not even Easton Stick. And that may be part of why North Dakota State's just and neither is Quincy just Patterson. Just a little yeah. bit. Just well, a we t- we, I was talking about that with the Fargo guys that were there covering the game. You know, They feel like the, the Bison offensive line has taken a step back, that maybe it's even a little overrated because, as we talked about on last week's podcast, just the statistics were there going into this game. You know, 260 rushing yards a game, a defense only allowing eight points a game. Like On paper, they looked like the same old Bison. You know, But then you saw it against the Jacks. They maybe weren't quite that good. And, yeah, part of it is maybe the old line isn't as good, the deal line isn't as good. Then you just alluded to You go from Carson Wentz to Easton Stick to Trey Lance to Quincy Patterson and Cam Miller. Those guys aren't the, nothing against those guys. They're not NFL talents, at least not right now. And then another thing we talked about, too, is, you know, the Bison have never been a team that had that one running back that rushed for 2,000 yards, you know, a Zach Zenner, Pierre Strong kind of guy. They always have had you know, kind of use running back by committee, but they had some dudes, you know, whether it was King Frazier or some of the other guys going back. I mean, they've always been some really, really good running backs. Who, who is it this year? You know, they have four guys that are all pretty good, but they don't have a dude. They don't have a Pierre Strong that you can say, we're going to ride this guy 25 times. That's you know? crazy. And you the Jacks have two of them. You yeah, know? you expect that NDSU to have that all the time. Now, maybe yeah. if they would commit to one of those guys, he would be capable of doing that. But 
I don't think so. And I'll, and I just I understand the, the thinking behind a running back by committee. You know, you keep guys fresh, you give teams different looks, and the Jacks have done it with success. You remember when they had Pierre Strong and Mikey Daniel and C.J. Wilson, you know, and now Isaiah Davis comes onto the scene. Um, but if you got five different guys that are all getting five carries a game, that just means you got five running backs who are all unhappy. You know, <laughs> you know it's like the old basketball adage. And are getting in rhythm. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know. You want to play eight guys and have three guys pissed at you, or play twelve guys and have twelve guys pissed at you? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's kind of you know. I, I, so I don't you know. I, again, I hate to like sit here and be telling the NDSU Bison coaching staff what's what. They have yeah. you know fifteen national titles or whatever it is, but yeah. there was just an awful lot of stuff on Saturday that left me scratching my head. Well, and the thing that they were doing with not playing with urgency and still huddling with two minutes left—that just that's a that's a bookmark for me to get to with what Minnesota was doing against Illinois at that game on Saturday. But, uh, yeah, and SDSU did this by just socking them right in the mouth right away, uh, the 75-yard Pierre Strong run. And then the other big one was the Jason Eck big balls, uh, (laughs) fourth and goal, fourth and inches, right, just Mm -hmm. one foot line play, which obviously is boomer bust. If they don't convert that, he's an idiot. And if they lose that game, wow, he got too cute and they lost because, you know, in a game of inches, he got too cute. Uh, there were a couple just, trick plays during the game. It yeah. wasn't just that, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and I saw your tweet right after it happened. Uh, I mean, that's – who knows? I mean, I think this could go down as one of the great plays in Jackrabbit history if SDSU goes on to advance really far, maybe to another national championship game. I mean, is, is it, was it one of those moments like, holy shit? I think so. I mean, it was – right before it happened, I tweeted, just kick it, take the points. Um, really? And, and, but that, that's kind of how I – What was the score time? I don't even remember. Okay. Um, 10 to 7 maybe, 7, 14 to 7, I'm All not right. sure. It was still a close game. Uh, might have been seven seven. I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, the point was, I was like, "Hey, you're playing the Bison. Take take points when you can get them." And I'm always kind of a take the points sort of guy. Um, you know, John Madden. The, the 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 Bison went forward on fourth down late in the game, didn't get any points, and ended up losing by eight. You know, I mean, they they probably could have used a field goal. You know. Yeah. Um, anyway, it was just an extremely well designed, goofy sort of play. And that's one thing I like about Jason. I mean, I've I've thought he's done a pretty good job since he's been the play caller. I thought Eric Eidsness was really good at it. Um, I I really don't have a lot of patience for armchair offensive coordinators because the average football fan, you know, and I hate to sound snooty, but, you know, doesn't even know what a cover two is. You know, can't tell you what a technique is and all these sort of things. And then they think they're going to tell these guys, you should have called this, you should have called that. Like, they call it for a reason. You know, this is not playing Madden. You know, they they have a script. They have – you know, a defense they're adjusting to. They're playing, making the best call they think is available to them based on the information they have. Does that mean they never make mistakes? Of course not. Um, but overall, uh, I think the Jacks have been pretty spoiled with their offensive coordinators in the six, seven years that I've been covering them. Yeah. And uh, one thing about Jason Eck that, you know, Stig has talked about at that in, in a positive way is he likes to get creative. He likes to take chances. He likes to do all the – every one of their fake field goals or fake punts, Jason's the one who – he's not a special teams coach, but he designs those plays, I'm told. Um, and I, I haven't asked yet if he was the one specifically who drew up this play, but I'm assuming he did uh, because when it happened – um, it's funny, in the press box at Dana J. Dykehouse Stadium, the Jacks coaches are in the room right next to us. And, like, it's glass. Oh, yeah. you, can, you can see them. Yes. And I try really hard not to look over there. Um, because, Why? Well, because, I mean, like... It, it's, like it's a sort, lawyer? 
Not so much that, but just, I mean, like, right after something happens. Okay. You know, like, if they go for it on fourth down and don't get it, I'm not going to, like, what are you doing, Jason? You know, like, look over there, because he's already pissed off enough as it is or whatever. And and likewise, when things go well, I, you know, and they're, you can tell they're doing the same thing. They're trying not to, you know, yeah. do anything but just look at the field. Well, when they scored that touchdown on the on the trick play, I couldn't help it. I looked leaned back in my seat and looked over and Jason had jumped up out of his chair and was kind of doing this little dance <laughs> and uh, I, I made eye contact with him and he pointed at me like you like that and got kind <laughs> of a Kirk awesome. and I was like yeah that, that, was, awesome. that was that was awesome yeah so I, I'm guessing by his reaction that he definitely was the one who designed that play um, I don't know if you saw it like they actually snapped it through Chris Oladokun's legs. He had mm. to get so close to the center that he could spread his legs far enough to just snap it directly through his legs. Then Pierre Strong catches it, and he did this. I tried to get Pierre to describe to me what, like, what his instructions were on that play because what he did was kind of bent over like he was falling or something. Like he just, he told me he's like, I just did a, a two count, one thousand one, one thousand two, and he just looked like he was like falling asleep or something. And you could tell, whatever it was, it was enough to distract the bison because they're kind of like, what's going on? And then he just stands up and lofts it five feet to Tucker Craft, who's all alone in the end zone, and it was a touchdown. Almost as cool as the Huskers of Boomerooski <laughs> and Fumbarooski. I was and, just thinking that. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, well, that's awesome. And then the second half was kind of boring, right? The, did the Jacks let off the gas, or did the I don't the think bison so. a little. According to Curtis, they, the, the Bison actually made some adjustments, some subtle adjustments, and made it a game like you expect they yeah, would. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't feel like the Jacks got too conservative. They were still trying. Yeah. Um, but also, I, th- I think you know there there is something to, hey, we have a lead and we have a good defense. Let's not take too many chances. Uh, I think it's worth pointing out that Chris Oladokun was barely part of the game plan. Um, he he was very much a game manager in this game. Threw for 150 yards, um, ran for like 10. I think a couple times he tucked it and tried to do something. Nothing really happened. He didn't turn the ball over. And you kind of got the sense that that was the game plan. Like, peer strong and don't turn the ball over. And it worked. That's exactly what Curtis said on Move the Sticks. It was kind of, okay, we need three yards. Let's throw a five-yard pass and get, mm-hmm. get out of Dodge. Yeah. Um, and is that the formula going forward? Because this is a talent, right? This is a guy who's more that's capable of being more than a game manager. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say that they want him to be a game manager necessarily. Um, he's he's a dynamic guy. Um, and, you know, Jackson Yankee did have six catches for 118 yards, so it's not like the passing game wasn't part of the game at all. Yeah. Um, but like I said, the, the Jacks, when they've gotten in trouble in their two losses, turnovers were part of it. So I, I don't know if they were necessarily trying to – you know, handicap Chris, uh, but it just seemed like they were like, "Hey, we, we're not going to try and take a lot of chances." Well, it worked, and, your and he so- and he probably has had it hammered into him a little bit. Like, did, I, I think I said the exact thing on last week's podcast. Like, they're probably hammering into him all week. Like, you can't turn the ball over against this team. You know, you didn't get away with it against Southern Illinois and no, Northern Iowa, so you're sure as hell not going to get away with it against NDSU. And to his credit, he did not turn. The, and not only did he not turn the ball over, he didn't even come close. Like, there weren't any of those sort of like, "Oh, he's lucky that didn't get picked off." I mean, he played a very conservative, smart football game. Clean. Yeah. Well, and he's going to have to, um, you'd have to agree, he doesn't have that much margin of error against USD either. Not when this game is in the Dakota Dome and he's not going to be able to hear himself think and call plays or hear the play calls half the time. They will be practicing in the S-Jack with the artificial noise tonight. So There you uh, go. Yeah, that's something they're going to have to deal with. So you said your story today was uh, the kind of a matchup type of story or the situation? Not so much the, the matchup, but just like looking at how the seasons have gone for both and some of the parallels and how they both have a lot at stake. I mean, just looking at, you know, both teams are coming off a big win. 
Uh, both teams have had some some ugly losses. You know, the Jacks, obviously the two. USD's lost to Illinois State. I mean, I, I hate to hammer on it too much, but how do you lose that game? Yeah. They're a winless team in the Valley, and I know Carson Camp got hurt, but you're at home against a team that hadn't won a conference game yet, and you know win that game, you're in the playoffs. That That's a bad loss. Yeah. Um, so they, they both have some bad losses. They both have some big wins. Coyotes beat the crap out of Northern Iowa in Cedar Falls. That's a big win. You know, yeah. and uh, they almost beat Kansas. Um, so there's yeah, they came sim- from two scores back against. I mean, Western Illinois is bad, right? But Macomb's a weird place to play. Didn't the Jacks kind of piddle around there for a little bit? A little, then, yeah. Yeah, the same thing. Final scores were similar. Yeah. yeah, USD gets behind by two scores and just detonates them. So I mean, so both teams are in a good frame here. There's no catching anybody off guard. Right. Uh, they're both playing probably their best football of the year or close to it. I told uh, I was texting back and forth with Jay Elson uh, on Sunday after the games. Jay from Midco Sports who yeah. covers the Coyotes yeah. calls a bunch of games. Yeah, and he was just like, "What do you think?" And I said, "I think that you have to favor the Jacks just because I think it's pretty clear they're the slightly better football team." Mm-hmm. But I said, "What's interesting to me is this is a must-win for USD. This is a huge, huge game for them. How are they going to respond to that?" Are they going to be like, our backs are against the wall and pull a Northern Iowa and come out and play a fantastic football game? Or are they going to be like, oh, my God, we have to win this or our season's over, squeeze their butts too tight and shit all over themselves? I mean, and it doesn't have to be either one of those, but it could be. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I don't know USD well enough. I don't know the personality of this particular team. We'll see. You know, I mean, like I said, that loss to Illinois State was a bad loss. Uh, but they've also At had home. some good wins, too. Yeah. So. What Coyote team are we going to get, I guess? What Jackrabbit team are we going to get? We've seen them look out every road game they've played this year. They have looked outstanding. But other than Colorado State, none of those road opponents have really been any good. Mm. This is the second best road team they will have played this year. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, and it's kind of like, I don't know, USD, I don't know. I I had a thought there, and I lost it. That's fine. Um Two years ago, USD wins this game in a charged up Dakota Dome, and they weren't going to the playoffs, and they mm-hmm. knew that, right? Yep, so yeah, they were 4-6 their, and six going in. That yeah. was their or season. Or 4-7, yeah. And that's what's great about rivalry games and rivalry week when we get into, into November and deep into November in college football games is because those five-win teams can rise up and beat those eight or nine or ten-win teams, uh, especially when that game's at home. That's, that's partly what we love about college sports, and some people love about college sports over the pro game. Um, but... Uh, again, I'll go back to Curtis Riggs on the Move the Sticks podcast with Curtis Riggs. Uh, we were here last night, Monday night, at the Gateway. He uh, he expects a freight train of emotion uh, from USD and its crowd early. Uh, but, I mean, I don't think anybody denies. I don't think the, the staunchest Coyote fan is going to deny. The line of scrimmage should be won by the Jacks. And, in general, they have more overall talent. They have the better quarterback. But... Uh, and if this game were in Brookings, even though they've lost twice at home, hmm. this, I mean, this it really should favor the Jacks. But how will this start? And, uh, you know, he, he expects it to start really well for the Coyotes because of all of these elements, mm-hmm. especially the Dome thing. And I don't know. And where have the Jacks gone and played on the road this year? They've got a Western Illinois, Indiana State. Those are not Youngstown. Hornets' nests. Those are, I mean, those are sleepy stadiums. Right. Like I just said, Colorado State's the only road game where they played someone challenging. Yeah, challenging yeah. and had a challenging crowd. I mean, there was a big crowd for that game. I don't know if it was necessarily a rough environment. This one will be tougher. Yeah, probably, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's that. Um, by the way, I mean, you, what kind of what kind of attendance from Jacks fans do we expect in this game? There will be a lot of them. I mean, I, I think it might be similar to what we saw 
at the Dyke House this past Saturday, maybe 25% okay. visitors fans. I could be wrong. I guess we'll yeah. see, you know. Yeah. Uh, are there any matchups where you where you can immediately in your head go to, oh, that's where USD has the advantage here? That's something they can um, exploit. Boy, I don't know. Special teams? Uh, I'm not that, using that as a cop-out. I mean, USD has used special teams to win games at times. They have the best punter in the league, one of the best kickers. Their return game's been outstanding this year. Okay. Um, that can make a difference. Um, I don't know if I'd say their running game is better than the Jacks. I, I, in fact, I definitely wouldn't because Pierre Strong's amazing and he's having the best year of his career. I wouldn't say USD's running game against SDSU's defense is necessarily in the Coyotes' favor, but uh, their running game's a lot better this year. Travis Tice is good. Mike Mansray's good. The other guy, I think it's is it Nate Thomas or something like that, he's good. Um, you know, that, that's that's improved a lot. Uh, their offensive line is better, even having lost Mason Scheidegger, you know, the supposedly the best guy. Uh, their defense is second in the league in points allowed, you know, and um, obviously an outstanding linebacking core. They've got some good pass rushers. Their secondary has weathered the loss of their best cornerback. Um, you know, I, again, I don't know if I'd say any of those matchups necessarily favor USD, um, but they're certainly capable of holding their own in, in each of those cases. And that's enough because go back to 2019 – I would say that the disparity was wider, you know, that the Jacks had more of an advantage in almost every position. Now, you know, they were playing with Keaton Heidi, a freshman quarterback, but he played pretty well in that game. He threw for 300 yeah. yards. Yeah, like it was that was his a back-and-forth game. Yeah, I mean, I think that was an example of the Coyotes just kind of saying, enough is enough. We are tired of losing to this team. We are going to win today, and they did. Um, and I'm not saying the Jacks weren't ready to play or that they underestimated them, but I think t- t- it was just one of those – Sort of one of those cliched, this team wanted it more. Yeah. USD just wanted it more that day. Now, I don't know if they're going to be able to rely on that this time. Yes, this is a must win for the Coyotes, but it's a pretty damn big game for the Jacks, too. And they're pissed off that they lost to them the last time they played them. Sure. So I don't think they're going to overlook them or take them lightly or, or any of that sort of stuff. Well, we, well first of all, I wonder uh, about usd's secondary you've mentioned one key loss you've mentioned that their pass rush is great it probably is going to have to be great to force ola duncan into mistakes he wouldn't make against ndsu's defense and then you know this better than me and jacks fans know this a lot better than me because all of you have watched a lot more i'm just guessing the the the, the yankees and then two towering tight ends uh that the the height advantage makes it tough if if all else fails even if on a rare day where pierre strong isn't getting a lot of headway you, you can, you know, you, you can find – you've got some big, easy targets if, mm-hmm. if you get into a pinch that could make the difference in the game too. Yep. I mean, we, we mentioned that last week that the tight end would probably factor into it, and it did. Tucker Craft had a big game again. Um, we haven't even mentioned yet, but I think Isaiah Davis is going to play. Uh, I don't know that yet. Uh, Stig said this morning at his presser that Isaiah was not yet practicing live, meaning, you know, full contact. He's practicing. He's running through drills and stuff. Um, but given that he was – kind of close to playing last week I think he's gonna we'll see you know we didn't think Don Gardner was gonna play he played and played well and had a huge impact on the game against NDSU so that'll be part of it too I mean I don't know I mean we, we could you know go over all these matchups endlessly and try to talk ourselves into this that and the other I don't know I, I I'm this is one of those games where I think it might be less about the personnel the X's and O's the matchups and stuff and just you know who plays better, yeah. plays with more emotion, plays smarter mentally, you know, doesn't make the big mistake, doesn't let the moment become too big for him because it's a rivalry game, and it's as big as this rivalry has ever been. Well, it's a chance for, I mean, Ola Duncan kind of 
even though, as you mentioned, he was kind of limited a little bit in what he was allowed to do, but he certainly he certainly came up big enough. Uh, didn't make any big mistakes against North Dakota State, mm-hmm. so he's proven he can do this. Uh, Carson Camp, I I don't know. I mean, he's it's been a mixed bag, and this is obviously the biggest game he's played in. And this mm-hmm. is another thing Curtis said the other day on the Move the Sticks podcast is obviously he is not quite. He's shown some good things. He hasn't shown enough big game, big boy things that Ola Duncan has. He gets the home crowd on his side. I mean, this is a big game for him. I think. I mean, I, I, you put the check mark mm-hmm. that quarterback on the side of the Jackrabbits, and uh, and I I don't know, it, I don't know what Yoke fans could tell me, and people who follow USD can tell me. I'll have one more than my check. Another Sierra Nevada, uh, of um, yeah, of, of what Camp's capable of doing in this game. You're going to have to make a few big throws in this game. Yeah, he will. He will. Uh, the last time the Coyotes played this game and won, they had Austin Simmons, and Austin Simmons was a senior. And I don't remember the game well enough to know if if Austin played outstanding or whatever, but I'm sure he made some big plays. Yeah, uh, you know he was a very good quarterback. So, yeah, that's another interesting point. I mean, I wondered about that with Chris going into the game on Saturday, even though he's a sixth-year, 24-year-old senior. You know, you kind of <laughs> wondered how's he going to ha- play in his first ever game in this rivalry. And like I said, he didn't necessarily blow it up or anything, but he he made no mistakes and contributed to them winning that way. All right, prediction time. I like the Jacks, you know, by by a touchdown. You know, I, I think yeah. it's I think it's going to be a close game. I, I, yeah, that's that's. They, they seem to be a pretty emotionally mature team. I mean, even though they've I mean, lost I, those two home games, I think so. Maybe the, they have matured on the roads. They certainly they certainly are, and, yeah. and they're getting healthier. That's I don't think we could understate that, especially this time of year. Thank you. Um, you know, teams that coaches say it all the time, and we kind of tend to just roll our eyes or or. It, ignore it or whatever but this time of year everyone's banged up yeah you know? and the jacks are in a rare, rare situation where the fact that they were banged up earlier in the year they're kind of getting healthy you know usd i think for the most part has stayed relatively healthy this year and we talked about them at the start of the season not having quite as much depth so is that a factor i, I don't know i don't know their personnel well enough to know how healthy they are and how deep they are yeah. at this point of the season but i know the jacks have been deep all year long and now they're getting some of their key guys back how fun is it to cover pierre strong or i mean what do you like because i you know, I read your huge feature on him that you did, and uh, I mean the story was great. He was such a he was such a meteor out of the gates, averaging uh-huh. like nine or ten yards a carry his freshman year. Yep. <laughs> you know, he was w- with Mikey Daniels and C.J. Wilson, mm-hmm. and he stood out from you know those guys. And then he went down to like only seven yards or seven and a half mm-hmm. a carry his you know the he, next year. And he was still good this spring, and it, he was nothing compared to what he is right now. Wow, and and you know, he wasn't you, fully healthy. I mean, that was part of it. But. Well, and you've also written about how he's uh, he's you know he he works out harder than he ever has. He transformed his body a little bit, and you know he's 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 done all the things to go from great to still you know not rest on his laurels. Blah blah blah. So I got a chance to see the fourth quarter of this game. I was at the uh, Illinois Minnesota game, which was an 11 a.m. game. By the time I got back to the hotel, I was able to see. About the fourth quarter, which obviously I had missed most of the good stuff yeah, of this, yeah. you know. But I saw the postgame interview, and, um, you know, they only asked him three or four questions, but but I was kind of like, I kind of like this kid. This guy must be a pretty cool dude to cover. He is. He's a fun He's a fun interview. Um, you know, kind of has that Arkansas accent, sometimes makes it hard for me to oh, really? <laughs> follow him. Yeah, okay. but, but uh, he, he's a good dude, and I've been covering him long enough, you know, that we know each other pretty well. And uh, the thing that just impresses me most 
God, I sound like a fucking coach saying this, but Uh-oh. like, but I mean, is what a good teammate he is, and what I mean by that is not sort of the crap that coaches say all the time. Like, he doesn't care. Like last year, a lot of guys would have been like, "Who's this Isaiah Davis guy? Like, what the hell? I'm the guy. Why are we giving him the ball so much?" He didn't even have a hint of that. He was like, uh, "This guy's awesome." And the fact that he's awesome makes us better. And if there's a game where I only get eight carries because he's hot and he rushes for 150 yards, cool. And at first I was kind of like, okay, that's what you're supposed to mm-hmm. say, you know. But it became apparent, like, no, he means it. Like, he really, do- I don't think he cares. No. Part of it is I think he recognizes that, hey, I'm good enough that I'm gonna get a chance to get my yards to play at the next level, whether I get and nine I carries or twenty chance, carries. I got nothing to worry about. Right, exactly. Um, but that that's impressive to me, and that was a huge factor in them being so good in the spring. Because, like I said, Pierre was not 100% healthy. Isaiah was the better player in the spring, and in the national championship game, who was the guy who stole the show? It was Isaiah Davis. The whole country was talking about Isaiah Davis yeah. that day. Pierre Strong was like an afterthought. Well, now he come back this fall, and Pierre wasn't like, oh, I got I to gotta be better than Isaiah. I got to beat him out. I got to get my carries. That was nothing. They fully intended on it being a 50-50 thing this year. Well, then Isaiah gets hurt, and Pierre, as I mentioned in that article you were mentioning, like he went to Andre Crenshaw, the running backs coach, when Isaiah got hurt and said, I'm ready for 25 carries a game. If that's what we got to do, cool, let's do it. And he's been unfucking believable all year. I mean, he yeah. is the best running back in the country. They're talking about him being a, a second, third round draft pick. Now, you know, they always say that and it ends up being somewhere lower than that. Um, but still, he's going to get a chance to play on Sundays. Uh, last one about this. Uh, I get that USD has UND after this, and that's not going to be a layup drill. USD has the Bison. The Jacks have it. Oh, that's UND. right. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I was thinking SDSU. I really did know this. I really did know this. Yeah, I just meant SDSU has. By the way, I do that a lot now. I don't know why. I don't know if I'm getting old, if I've got small You're getting forms old. of it dementia. Uh, because I will not even realize. I need somebody next to me to say. Cause you th- just th- said this. Yeah, yeah, I do that. I need that now. Yeah, um, yeah SDSU has UND. Is that in Grand Forks? Nope, or it's Br- at home. Okay, so I mean that should be a win, but I understand that's a trip on the banana peel possibility. Of course, USD has to play NDSU. And that's if the gonna- bi- er, well, if UND loses this week and I have no idea who they play, yeah. They'll probably have packed it in by then. Sure. We'll see. Uh, but So I get there's one more game with these two squads. Having said that, there's a lot of weight on what happens in this game. What are the ramifications? SDSU wins. You kind of mentioned them. If they um, win out and go 9-2, and two, they're not going to get a top two seed, but they're going to get a seed yeah. and a first-round bye. Yeah. And, and again, the fact that they've been just as good, if not better, on the road than they have been at home, the bye probably means more than home field advantage. Do they you know, need a lot of help bye. to get a top two seed? They would need, I think, a, I haven't looked, you know, all the way around the country, yeah. but they're seventh in one poll right now, and okay. I think they might be fourth in the other, so may we'll see. I mean, right now they don't have a lot of quality wins. Colorado State and the Bison, that's it. You know, one of their wins isn't even going to count. But this would be a big Even one. though uh, Lindenwood, as it turns out, has not lost since they played the Jacks. Wow. They're going to the Division Two playoffs. All right, Jed they're, Stuger. Yeah, they're probably better than a couple of the D1 teams that the Jacks played this year, but yeah. they're D2, so it doesn't yeah, count. Right. yeah. Uh, and USD, I mean, they just need to get. The, they need I one mean, out of two. I know a lot of Coyote fans are talking about, hey, we're still alive for the conference championship, which they are. If they win their next two games and get some help, they could get a share of it. And hey, more power to you if you do that. But I think if you're the the a Coyotes fan right now, you're like, we just need to get into the playoffs, win one of these last two. Yeah. Because these are the two hardest games in your schedule. They 
they're they're going to be an underdog in both of them. And is this an easier win because it's at home? Or do you I would think, think so. Yeah, I mean, I would think so I, too. If I was a Coyote fan, I'd like my chances at home against the Jacks better than on the road but against have, the Bison. But they have far from clinched a playoff berth. At, at they won't point. get in if they would lose these last okay. two. They will finish six and five. Be right? six and five. Yeah. And the only time a six and five team has ever got in was when they had an FBS win to go with it. All right, how much more time do you have? Zero, oh, dude. Minus two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got to do today? Well, I still have to finish this beer and get my tab. Okay, so. well, let's well let's at least go until you, um, you're almost done with your Well, what else is on your mind? I'm going through your Twitter feed just to see what's been on Zimmer's well, mind. What's been a strong Opening day thing? for basketball tonight. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, wh- well, you don't even know who the women are playing, so I guess we won't talk about well, it doesn't them. doesn't matter. I'm I mean, kidding. The, the uh, big question, or I guess, or the fun thing is, like, we've seen in NSIC football, and I think we're going to see it in NSIC basketball, so I'd be curious to see how it plays out in Summit League basketball if the COVID year and super seniors and everyone being coming coming back, what that'll do to Summit League basketball. I think it's going to lead to a lot of parity. When there's already there already is a lot of parity. I mean, there was at least on the men's side, there was what a three-way tie for first last year or something close to that. You know, the four teams bunched at the top. Oral Roberts did not uh, earn a share of the regular season title, and then they went to the Sweet 16. Yeah. I know Kevin that's O'Banner right. left that program. but They won the t- uh, the tournament, right? Well, that's how they got in, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, they, but that's again, right. They, oh, yeah, that's they, one bid league. Okay. They beat the Jacks on a buzzer beater, you know, and then barely beat North this. Dakota State in the yeah. championship. Um, Kevin O'Banner has since left the program, I believe. He transferred up, but I'm, Max Asmus is still there, the nation's leading scorer. So they're going to be there. Um, is their coach still there, or did he take a job? He signed, a, like, a 10-year contract. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, I'm not sure what to expect with USD. They're you know losing some guys. Um, NDSU should be good again. The Jacks should be the best team. You know they have everyone back. They're loaded. Um, damn it. Uh, Noah, you know Noah Friedel is the big question mark. Obviously, you know left the team halfway through last year because of mental health issues. Yeah. I mean, he'd obviously had some disciplinary issues before that. Uh, everything I've heard has been, hey, it's great. He's back. You know we're all they're supporting him. It does feel a little bit. Like everyone is kind of uh, protecting him as much as they can, um, but, but, but what, go ahead. What does that tell you? I mean, I, mean, I just how, how do you read into that? I think there's still a little nervousness. Not that you know there's anything wrong with Noah or that you know he's gonna have a blow up or anything like that. But just you can tell they're making an effort to be there for him, support him, and and let him ease his way back in, you know. Okay. I asked Doug Wilson, how's he look? He looks great. I said, can he be the same player he was before? Absolutely, even better. And, okay, great. I don't think Doug would lie about that. But when I asked Eric Henderson, you know, what kind of role is Noah going to have? Well, I don't know. He's working his way back in. It's still really early, you know. Okay. And I think he's just being cautious, and, and they want to give Noah exactly what he deserves or should have, which is if he's – for him to have the courage to say, here's what I'm dealing with, and step away from the team when they they needed him, you know? They had to play without him in the in the Summit League tournament. Probably would have made a difference. That tells you that it was some pretty serious shit that Noah's dealing with. Okay, then then you need to give him that time. You need to give him that space to work mm-hmm. his way back. So I'm not I'm not trying to say that anything untoward is going on. I'm I'm just saying that nobody really knows, you know, how this is gonna work out. And I think everyone is trying to be as patient with him as they can. God, and that's um I mean, you, you get – I mean, November is so early, and it's early November, and even December. I mean, when does league play start? Beginning of January, end of 
December. Like right before Christmas. Yeah, something like that. I mean, so, so you got a while to work through that, but it still is. I mean, that's a delicate point. He's like that's a key. That's a key player on your team to. He was establishing his, himself as here. one of the best guards in mid-major basketball. Yeah. And then it's funny, like, so he punches Stanley Amude in the nuts. That's obviously not cool. But I didn't think it was like, oh, my God, you know, this like it was, you know, Latrell Sprewell choking his coach yeah. or something. I mean, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. And they suspended him for, I think it ended up being a two-game suspension. And, I mean, I get it. I, the, the night it happened, I tweeted, like, hey, you know, you need to get this kid under control because he, he had been suspended a couple times already. Mm. For, but it was always for minor stuff, you know, like I think he skipped class a couple times or I don't know. So I get it, like, you know, okay, he, he does this bad thing. But I, I didn't feel like it was this thing that suddenly, like, oh, we have to reevaluate whether Noah Friedel is going to be a good player. I mean, come on. He, so he, he did a dumb thing. People do dumb things. Now he comes back, and it, we find out, okay, he's he's dealing with some shit. And I don't even think it's fair of us to, to say that the two are related. You know, he punched a kid in the nuts. He's dealing with depression issues. Those can be mutually exclusive. It doesn't have to be, yeah. w- you know, one led to the sure. other. Um, but the the depression thing, is, is to me, is much more serious. Like, if that's something that he's going to have to battle for the rest of his career – that's unfortunate for him, and it's cool that the Jacks are being supportive of him and everything like that. But it, I understand how it also that calls into question how good can he be? Not because it, you know, there's something wrong with him inherently, but just like that may limit how available he can be to the team. Yeah, and I that's would, okay. That's uh, you know, that's again why the Jacks are treating him the way they are. And again, I'm 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 taking this from an an, an emotionless view, and it might sound like a heartless view, but I think it's a very real view. Uh, especially early on, each day in practice. I'm not there for any practice. You're not there for every practice. I don't go to basketball practice. So there you go. It's like how much of a daily delicate dance is it Yeah. for everybody involved, and therefore how much does that take its toll and how much mental energy, maybe even physical energy, does an entire team, a coaching staff, and the teammates have to deal with that. And I could be putting far too severely mm. amount of weight on this. I think that's a fair question, but I don't I mean I don't get the sense that it is that. You know? Okay. I mean when he stepped away from the team last year, I think all that really meant was that he wasn't playing in games anymore. I don't know if he was going to practices, but like in the Summit League tournament he was there watching with the team. Okay. Uh, I think there were some some games during the season that he was on the bench in street clothes. I'm not sure about that. Uh, but all through any any sort of team function, you know, or team building, you know, team meals or trips or like he was there, you know, all off season he was there okay. working out, you know, all through practice preseason he's been there, um, and everyone has told me like it's same old Noah, you know, it's good to have him back. Cool. All right, and one of the cool things about it too is that you know he obviously pissed off a lot of USD people with the Amude thing, yeah. and even before that and everything like. It's been pretty impressive to see people from, uh, basically, and Eric Henderson alluded to this in my previous story. Like the whole state of South Dakota has been pretty supportive of him. Good, you know, he he he. Like I said, he pissed off all those Coyote fans. But when that announcement came out, you know, there were USD fans, there were Augustana fans, there were everyone saying like, "Hey, it's cool that you came out and said this is a thing you're dealing with, and we're rooting for you." And well, I get the sense that that this has been good without having talked to Noah at all I get the sense that this has probably been a positive for are, him are you do, are, have you tried to stay away or have they have you been told 
not to well talk i haven't really ha- he was not made available at media day okay which i kind of expected yeah um I'm assuming once the season starts, if you know, if he has 25 points tonight, he'll be part of the press conference. Sure, um, but I'm not going to ask him a bunch of personal questions tonight. No, you know, yeah, I mean, not in not, not in that setting, right? In that setting, yeah. Okay, uh, I would ask you about the Vikings. Let's see. Okay, we've only well, got a few sips left. I guess I'm not nah, going to go get my the, oil change. So. You've, you've been. Uh, you have to go get your oil change. Well, that's okay. what I was going to try to do before I pick up Arthur from school. <laughs> but state, so much for that. State championship game uh, games because you've been covering these high school football games. I know you were at Lincoln and Harrisburg, and so I so. Was I on uh, Friday night? Friday night. Mm-hmm. We got another Harrisburg Brandon Valley Battle of the Burbs. I think you wrote that Battle of the Burbs game. Oh, you didn't last year? No. Nope. Last year? No. Maybe that the was state championship game. But pre-state Brian championship games. Maybe that was a stew thing. I don't know. But we got a. Yeah, I think that's overplayed. By the way, it's a, it's uh, this whole Sioux Falls Public Schools no longer in right. the game every year. Yeah. It's like yes, Harrisburg like and ev- Brandon are pretty much. It's yeah. just like every other uh, I don't know city that's growing or or, or city right. that's big that right. How has often is Minnesota's champion from actual proper Minneapolis? It's yeah, it's Eden a diner Eden Prairie. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah. What do you what 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 are you thinking here after after Have you seen much of Brandon? Valley? I haven't seen them once. I I've not seen them at all. Yeah, and uh, okay. I will say. Pretty impressed with the fact that they took care of O'Gorman the way they did when no one in the state was picking Brandon True. to win that game. Yes. We talked about it like, oh, O'Gorman's red hot. Brandon, you know, whatever. They're they're not that great. They're number two. Everyone thought O'Gorman was going to win that game. Yeah. And it sounded like Brandon won it kind of comfortably, did they not? Oh no, you weren't there. You were just. I wasn't that. there. Well, oh. it was they. Ha- it was it was uh, f- it was fourteen. It was tied at fourteen early in the second half, and then but Brandon then, Valley controlled the rest. Right, of the game. right. Yeah. So that's an impressive win. And they and, had a wildcat uh, quarterback. I mean, they, 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 uh-huh. they their starting quarterback had missed the last four weeks, <laughs> and then he he got to play again, and his numbers were not good. Mm-hmm. Um, and but they at the beginning of the game to get up early, and at the end of the game to salt it away, they mm-hmm. used a wildcat quarterback, mm-hmm. and it worked. Well, their starting quarterback's suspended, right? Like he's not. He playing. was, but he did play on. Oh, he's he, back he, play, now? he played, and he did not play particularly great. Okay. So I mean, it's kind of like Brandon Valley's gonna have to really bloody and bruise up Harrisburg well, early. Well, I mean, you saw to win the Harrisburg Lincoln game. What Jacob Canoe threw for what, like ninety yards? I mean, they, they were didn't trying a, very hard I, to throw. Because and I give Jared Fredenberg a lot of credit. After the game, I asked him, "Geez, you know, you guys did a good job on Harrisburg's passing game," and he was like. Well, that's because they ran it so well they didn't really need to throw it. You know? yeah. He could have taken credit, and he kind of didn't. Yeah. But I still think, you know. <laughs> it could have ran for 100 yards, 54 They, they on took some play. shots that, didn't, that they didn't convert. You yeah. know, I, thought I thought Lincoln played pretty tough. They just four turnovers, you know. Um, and Jacob Knuth rushed for 100 yards. And we all knew when the season started that this is what the, the Harrisburg was going to do. They were going to protect Jacob Knuth all season long. And then at the end of the year, when the games mattered, they were going to turn him loose and let him run the football. And they did that, and he ran for 100 yards. He had a 54-yard touchdown yep. run. He's not only fast; he's a big motherfucker. He's a big kid. Yeah. You know, he's he's extremely good. Well, I, I, there was one run in this game. It wasn't the 54-yarder. It was about a 10-yarder, and it was fourth quarter when they're trying to stay ahead. The one where he got like down to the one-yard. Dragged line. about four or five yep. defenders yep. with him. And uh, and you're right, and you've seen him up close because because he was the cover boy of the Argus mm-hmm. Leader preseason magazine, uh, predictably. He's got the blonde hair. You know, he's goal, I think it was the golden quarterback was the headline something or something like, like that. that. He's yeah. a golden boy. He's going to be a golden gopher. And uh, is, he, you were like, just at the Gophers game on Saturday. Is he better than Tanner Morgan right now? I I don't look. I am <laughs> not going to pretend to like. Yes, absolutely. Next year, true. Freshman. I know. I don't want to put that pressure on Jacob, but uh, Jesus, you watch the Gophers and go. Okay, 
let me say this. He is far um, in his is in his vacuum uh, in his world of South Dakota AAA high school football, which is I think we can agree, uh, somewhat fairly competitive. You okay? If I could get this woman's attention, I'd be better. Okay. Well, yeah, I'll get I'll, your. I'll buy your beer. It's, it's fine. not. It's fine. Um, like I said, I'm just not going to get my oil changed now. I'm going straight to pick well, up. When are you going to get your oil changed then? I don't know. I'm like three thousand miles over. I really need an oh, oil that's change. That's nothing. I've been way more over than yeah, that many yeah, times. Yeah. <laughs> I have a nicer vehicle than you. Oh wow. <laughs> I do. Uh, well, well you, you drive a Honda Fit. It's got a great motor. It'll go for three hundred thousand miles. Yeah, you probably don't ever need to change I don't the oil give on a that shit. thing. Yeah, uh, I don't. Yes, I don't because it does have great gas mileage. It's I just like got her attention. We're five good. times a year, where I'm worried about the wind knocking my car over on the interstate. You know, <laughs> I, I play the percentages. They're pretty good. Um, oh, okay. Yep. Thank you. There we go. See, Gateway Lounge service with a smile. Uh, well, leave her a tip because I didn't bring any cash. I will, of course. <laughs> um, so, uh, and you know why I have cash? Because I because ha- I have more left over because I don't have to pay uh, $50 uh, every time I fill up my gas and get my oil changed every two seconds. Uh, the last time I got gas <laughs> that I filled up my truck, I'd let it get all the way empty, and it costs $94 to fill it up. Oh, my God. If gas goes up one more time, I'm going to have my first three-digit gas fill up. That has never happened to me. Wow. But what are you going to do? Gas is Well, gas. luckily it gets you like 12 get miles a gallon, so, you know, <laughs> money well spent. Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, okay, so Knuth, he's far more athletic than Tanner Morgan. So I don't know if that's going to translate once you get to the Big Ten, because that's kind of a, that's a slight step up from uh, from South Dakota High School football. Right. But then again, uh, you know, uh, the NFL is a major step up from FCS football, and Carson Wentz was brilliant right. for the first couple of years well, as an this Eagle. This is what we do now. So. It used to be, whether it was the NFL, or you needed three years to redshirt these guys, basically, and now we're just throwing them to the fire. Get in there, play. Yeah. You know? All right. Uh, yeah, Justin Fields, all of a sudden, he was terrible. And then last night against a great Steeler defense, all of a yeah. sudden they take the training wheels off, they let yeah. him throw, and he's amazing. Uh, I, You know, but I, but I did think that as I was watching – that Gopher Illinois game because I was there and uh, it's clear that Tanner Morgan uh, had a great sophomore campaign uh, because he had two NFL wide receivers and uh, by the way he didn't have to play Ohio State or Michigan that year <laughs> um, and there Zim I gotta tell you it was the most golden Gopher game ever it well was, I was at the Bowling Green game so yeah. oh this was the same I'm sure <laughs> yeah, this was the same yeah, thing yeah. and I I, I can't, and we talked about a little bit that about, about that on the podcast. But you're you're playing Illinois. Brett Bielema, who's like seven and zero against Minnesota when he was at Wisconsin, and he's I think perfect against Nebraska as well. And so I've seen a lot of this. This is what he does with an inferior squad. They were three and six. He just like they look like they have ten guys at the line of scrimmage. <laughs> they have like two extra linemen and two extra tight ends, and we're just gonna ram the ball right at you or around you. We'll get a couple first downs. We'll punt and we'll pin you inside your twenty. <laughs> and uh, go ahead, get, get, give that a shot. And all they need is a, a fourteen point lead like they had. And Minnesota did the same thing you said North Dakota State did against the Jackrabbits, which was for some re- they didn't look at the clock. They had no urgency. It's like oh, we're down by seven. We run the ball here. We do play action here. We'll be fine. We're not gonna. Uh, we're not going to. Well, if you're down one we're score, not that's one thing. We're not going to abandon our thing. Uh, no urgency whatsoever. Uh, and yeah, and Tanner Morgan, when put in spots like when the Gopher coaching, when PJ Fleck and his staff woke up, like, oh shit, there's five minutes left in this game. Right. Maybe we should start throwing it a little bit and uh, moving it, not huddling anymore. Yeah, Tanner Morgan could not handle that very well. Mm. So I mean, and I have no idea because he's been. 
Remember two years ago, he was battling Annexted, some guy named Annexted. Yeah, it was yeah. like a battle, and Morgan won that, and they had a great year. But I wonder how much he's getting pushed or if they should have played the other guy by now. And I don't know what else is is already in the Gopher program to where – the Bowling yeah, Green have, game I that have, I was at, they brought some other kid in just to run the ball. Oh, okay. And he, they scored their one touchdown with that wow. guy. Yeah. It wasn't Tanner Morgan. Yeah, what do you think of yeah. P.J. Fleck getting that seven-year deal right before all this happened? I mean, the Gophers aren't going to get any better than him. Yep. So I don't think that's a bad move. No. It's but it, predictable that they shit themselves the, the first game after that. But but it is the know. most Minnesota sports thing ever that right. they get the seven-year deal. Right. They get all excited, and then they go out and they lose to, right, uh, number 20, to Illinois. Yeah, yeah. 11 a.m. game. And I'll, but I'll end it this way. You know what I like about the Gopher fans? And yeah, it's been the same since I moved to this general area of the country 15 years ago. And I have a bunch of Gopher fan friends and go to the occasional Gopher football, basketball, hockey game is uh, they know their place. You know, it's not right. you never feel they a are. cockiness. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, like Nebraska fans obviously are arrogant because of, of the glory days and 40 years of dominance. Uh, Wisconsin or Kansas State fans, they're cocky and arrogant. Uh, because of their recent success and they don't know how to handle it, uh, Gover fans are just always kind of like, yeah, yeah. We, 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 we're waiting for the other shooter. It's drop. very funny for me being, I wouldn't really consider myself a Gopher fan. You know, I'm just not, I don't really have a college football team. If you put a gun to my head, I guess I'd say it was the Gophers. Yeah. And I, I follow Nebraska just as far as I enjoy watching them lose. <laughs> yes. But yes. I'm obviously in the middle of both Gopher and Husker country. It's funny to me right now to watch that because you can see Nebraska fans going, we're still elite. And you could see Gophers fans going, hey, you're us now. Welcome. Uh, yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> yes. We are now equals. Yes. We are the same yes. mediocre Midwest well, Big Ten program. You know what? Nebraska yeah. is kind of starting to uh, fall back uh, and drop down because the Gophers signed P.J. Fleck to seven more years. We're okay with being 500 in the Big Ten. We're okay with being 19 and 21 and having one good year every four or five years mm -hmm. and the rest of it being, you know, you lose to Bowling Green in Illinois. Uh but the, and so, hey, P.J. Fleck, seven more years as if he's really going to go anywhere. Right. I mean, was he going to USC or LSU? I doubt it. But uh, then Scott Frost gets Scott Frost gets the I, – I do admire this about Nebraska. At least they cut Scott Frost's nuts off a little bit. And they he, they take him down from $5 million to $4 million. They cut his buyout in half. Oh, so that – I was going to say, I never they, got what the details like, of the well, restructuring were. I mean, they're allowing him to come back, which I don't agree with. He's 15 and 27 it's 42 games, folks. But, so he basically agreed to they, a pay cut. Oh, he agreed to a pay cut, a buyout. A buyout. He put $7.5 million on the table to say, oh, I, I think I can still win at Nebraska, and I'm willing to go along with, obviously, my boss, not me then, firing then I think, his offensive then staff. Then I think that's a decent move by Trev Alberts. I mean, if you can get him to go along with that, all right. Because, again, the, the one people who are still sticking up for, for Scott Frost, what's their biggest argument usually? Who are we going to get? Well, it's also we're close. Oh, we played Ohio State close. Right, right, right. but it more I think more than that it's who are we going to get? I I think there's uh, you know, I'll end it here. Uh, I think there's plenty of people who we have heard of and who sure. we haven't. Sure, but it's could, hard to make sure you get that right. That could take there's those someone out there can win games. Can Trev Alberts identify the correct person? Yeah. You know, you there, there's always someone, but it's making sure you hire that guy. Well, this way as Curtis Riggs said on Move the Sticks, just this is Trev Alberts saying it, it, it's on. It's on you now, and I'm hitching right. my wagons to you. But th th this is it. You get one more chance, and then you know, you get, and that's it. 2024, Kalen DeBoer becomes the Nebraska God. Huskers coach. That's that's what I'm hoping for. Is Trev Alberts thought, uh, look, we can we we are not going to get any of the three or four best 
coaches in the country uh, that uh-huh. that they're they're going to take openings at USC, LSU, and somewhere else. Uh, and it, it's not. It's too soon to hire Kalen DeBoer. we got to wait two more years before he has a couple more 10-win seasons at Fresno, and then it'll be legit. Then I might actually root for Nebraska. No way. If Kalen's their coach. All right. You're I'll hit drunk. him up for free tickets if nothing One else. One beer and you're drunk. Go get your oil changed. <laughs> I don't have time. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. <laughs> you guys need a round of drinks? Yes. Yeah.